Man, what an incredible, incredible worship time, and uh, I, I love it, man. I, I love being here and worshiping together. We look forward to the time when we can come back together again and do that in person. Make sure you log in on. Uh, on Wednesday, make sure you are there. We're gonna have a live church update at noon. On Wednesday, we'll discuss some of our reopening plans that we've released going in from phase three to phase four. Also, a couple other things coming up this week that you need to know about, and I want you to know about two really big things really kind of coming out of a response to what's going on in our culture, but also really just out of the message from last weekend where we talked about an obedience thing, how in response to the gospel, how in that we live in light of the gospel, how we work against racism, how we work to bring justice. And there's a lot of that in our world right now that is waiting on the church to speak into that. And so as a pastor, again, I wanna do everything that I can to help you to know how to respond biblically in light of these things. So there's two things going on this week that I want you to know about, all right? One is we, have, we are working with an organization called One Race Atlanta, and there is a, a prayer rally and peaceful march this Friday coming up on June 19th. Now, I would call that this Friday. Some of you may call that next Friday, whatever. But on Friday, June 19th, it's Juneteenth, all right? We are joining together, not just our church, but churches all over Atlanta. There's gonna be a peaceful rally and protest and prayer time where all these churches come together. It's gonna be at Centennial Park down in Atlanta, and we're gonna walk to the Capitol and walk back, then come together for a prayer time and worship time. And so all that information's on our website. We want to invite you to come. If you can come on Friday, you can go on to our website. All the information that you need is there under the events uh, tab there on our website, and you can register for that. Another thing that's coming up on, or the second thing, that's what I did. There. Oh, I said another thing too. All right, the second thing that I wanted you to know about is we're also starting on Tuesday at noon. So every Tuesday for the next five weeks, we're gonna just do an online study together. It's called Undivided. And what it does is it tackles race from a gospel perspective. So two pastors that I really respect, one uh, white pastor, one black pastor that are really just huge influencers in our country as far as from a pastoral church perspective. Um, the North American Mission Board put together this, really this kind of conversation uh, that takes place between these two guys. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through that and I'm gonna go through that with you and then I'm gonna talk about it. And then there's, down, there's guides that you can download. We're gonna be looking at some specific scriptures. And so really it's an online study for the next five weeks. Again, you can go to our website. All that information is there. So coming up Tuesday at noon, we've got some, an online study for you. Then we have the church live update on Wednesday, then the rally on Friday, all right? Very, very busy week, and we're gonna have a very busy sermon, so let's jump into it, all right? Romans chapter 15, uh, we're just continuing preaching through the book in, or the letter to the Romans. Today we're gonna be in verses 20 through, 22 through 29, all right? So Romans chapter 15, verses 22 through 29, it's gonna pick right up where we left off last week where Paul was talking about his ambitions to preach the gospel. So now let's go into verse 22. He says this, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. So he's writing to the Romans. He had not gone there yet. So he says, I've been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing 
as I go to Spain to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So let's stop and chat about these verses. You know, we talked last week about Paul's pastoral duty, if you will, to present to God a people. And primarily, he was a missionary to the Gentile people. And so what Paul would did, he had these different missionary journeys where he would go out, preach the gospel, because he said that was his ambition, where someone else hadn't preached before, and then people would come to faith, and then he would start a church. And then he would stay there for a while, and then he would raise up leaders within that church, bring, do his best to bring them to obedience, and then make sure the leaders knew what they were doing, and then he would move on. And so he did that over and over and over again. And he wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to visit the Christians in Rome. And he hadn't been able to do that yet because he says here he was being hindered from coming to them because of his ambition to preach the gospel. Now, I was thinking about that as I was studying this, and just a couple things jumped out at me. In fact, that's really all it takes in reading the Bible, uh, and we're working on just a very simple process in our groups. In fact, if you are in a group, we want you to understand just a very simple process in reading the Bible. The one that we use is called REAP, where you read, examine, apply, and pray. So just real simple acronym. And so when I was reading this, there's just a couple things jumped out at me. That's the kind of the examine part. But Paul says he was hindered. He was hindered from coming to them, even though he really wanted to. And so I started thinking about that because there's things in my life that I want to do, but I might be hindered from doing them. Now, some of them I'm hindered from doing just because I've gotten old, right? Let's just be honest. I can't move like I used to. The other day, uh, something was hurting on me, and Lindsay was like, what's wrong? I was like, well, I woke up. That's what's wrong. I'm just old, right? I'm just getting old. And this is when all of you in the church that are older than me, you're like, oh, you're not old. Just wait. I'm like, oh, I got a lot to look forward to, all right? So, so sometimes we can be hindered from doing something because we have a physical you know, liability somehow or disability or other things going on. But Paul wasn't hindered by any of those things from going to Rome. Paul was hindered, this is what's crazy, he was hindered from going to see them. He wanted to see them, but he was hindered by his own ambitions. He was hindered from going to do something that he wanted to do because he had something else he wanted to do more. And that's what really jumped out at me. Paul saying, I wanna come see you, and I'm looking forward to come and see you, but up until this point, I've been hindered from doing so. And then here's what I started thinking about. You know, Paul had a clear mission in his life. Paul had a clear, again, this is what he said, a clear ambition in his life, a clear purpose, if you will. And just like churches and organizations can have purpose statements or mission statements or vision statements, you and I need purpose statements and vision statements and mission statements for our lives that form a direction to say, here's my ambitions, here is what I want most. And by definition, whatever that is, it's going to hinder you from doing other things that you might want to do. And, and here's where it really kind of clicked for me. You know, we talk a lot about knowing Jesus, following Jesus, and, it, and it's real easy to, to say I know Jesus or I follow Jesus. But the real test 
of whether or not you're following or the degree to which you're following Jesus is not what you say, not even always what you do, it's what you are hindered from doing. What I want you to think about it is like this. If, if my mission and vision is to preach, is to lead a church, is to have an ambition for people to know Jesus, then I'm gonna give my best yes to that. And naturally, that's gonna hinder me from doing other things, even though those other things might be good things. And so you know my real ambition, not by just what I'm saying yes to, but also by what I'm saying no to. And that's where I want us to start thinking. Let me, let me rephrase it like this. What things in your life that are you saying no to because you have such a yes to following Jesus? What, what things are you willing, that's a better way to think about it, what things are you willing to say no to because you have said yes to Jesus? Again, the degree to which you're willing to say no to things really informs the degree to which you're saying yes to Jesus. Because you really don't know if you've really said yes until you're willing to say no to some other things. So it's interesting to me that Paul says he was hindered from coming. He was hindered only by his own ambitions to preach the gospel. But think about it like this. So many of us have it backwards. So many of us, again, imagine the time before coronavirus, if you can think, like months ago. Like we're so busy. We're so busy being busy. And I gotta wonder if God was like, hey, all you little earthlings that are so Busy, let me shut down the world and then you can check your priorities. Let me shut down your schedule so that you can focus on what your real purpose is. And so as we're starting to come out of this season, as we're starting to reopen things within our state, the worst thing that we can do is to go back and say yes to some things that God's like, hey, I really wanted you to start saying no to that. I really wanted you to start saying no to that. And so what I want you to think about is how we get it backwards sometimes is we're actually hindered from saying yes to things God wants for us because we're so overcommitted in saying yes to other things that at the end of the day really don't matter as much. And so maybe before coronavirus, your schedule was so crazy, you came to church 1.7 times a month. That is the average attendance. But in coronavirus, man, you've been nailing it, man. Because you got the bedside service, right? You got Christ on the couch. You got waffles and worship. I'm trying to think of everything I can think of, man. And so that 1.7 has gone to four, five times a month, depending upon how many Sundays they are. You are nailing it, baby. But what's gonna happen when we start to re-engage? Online, obviously, is a viable option, yes. But I don't want you to just say yes to online because you're so overcommitted to saying yes in other ways that you actually say no to gathering together with the people of God. So that's how I want you to think about this. So many times we are actually hindered because we're overcommitted in our yes. And so here's all I'm saying to you. And again, you can think about this. In fact, if you even want to pause this and come back to the message later or have a conversation with your family after this is over and say, man, what were the things that we were saying yes to before that we really need to say no to now? We need to hinder 
purposely hinder some of those things because we have this new ambition that God has for us. So again, I think it's just amazing that Paul says he's hindered, but he's only hindered by his own ambition to preach the gospel. So understand that when you want to follow Jesus, he is naturally gonna ask you to say no to things. Now, when we come to Christ, we understand that saying no is invariably to bad things. Yes, there were things that you used to do in your flesh that were bad, and now by the Spirit, you're gonna say no. Titus says that grace teaches us to say no. But here's where you really have to start really thinking and praying because now it's not just saying no to bad things, it's saying no to good things. It's saying no to good things so that you can say yes to the best thing. And you need to have that kind of clarity of purpose in your life. Say, I'm saying yes to this, and since I've said yes to this, it's naturally gonna hinder me from all these other things. That is what really showed how great of an apostle Paul was. He was such a great apostle that it actually hindered some things that he really wanted to do that were good things, but he chose to do the best thing because he knew he only had a limited amount of time. Now let's get into the rest of that where he says, I, I wanna see you though, so I wanna be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul says, and he's gonna mention this later, he's gonna go to Rome, but he's still driven by his ambition, so he's gonna just hang out in Rome for a little while, then he's gonna go on to Spain. And if you know your geography, you got Jerusalem down here, you got Rome up here, that's the, the boot, right, Italy, and then to the west of that, you've got Spain. So Rome is on the way to Spain from where he was at. So he's traveling back to Jerusalem. He's gonna make that point in just a second. Then he's gonna stop by in Rome. And I love how he says this. Once I've enjoyed your company for a while, then he says, I wanna be helped by you. That word help means to send forth. So he's gonna go there, hang with them for a while, and then they are going to, he wants them to send him forth onto the rest of his work, which was his ambition to preach the gospel. But a couple things here I wanna point out. Just because we're so driven or we have ambitions and purpose doesn't mean we can't also take time to hang out. Doesn't mean that we can't stop along the way and enjoy some company for a while. It doesn't mean that we have to be so driven and so on that we never take a break, that we never stop and enjoy. I love this. Here's why I love it. It is biblical. It is biblical to stop and enjoy some folks' company. Sometimes the most biblical thing that you can do is not a Bible study, it's not a prayer, it's not a worship, it's just to sit with friends and hang. Just to enjoy the company of those people. What's really interesting to me is this word here, Enjoy, obviously, it means to enjoy fully, to be enjoyed to the point of complete satisfaction. But when you look at this, the word, the Greek word there, there's a very similar Greek word to this word that doesn't mean to enjoy to satisfaction. It means to set on fire, like literally to set something on fire. But those words are very, very similar to each other, and I kind of got this picture. Paul knew that he had more work to do, but he also knew he needed to be renewed 
in order to do that work. So here's kind of how I picture it. Paul knew that in order to get from Jerusalem to Spain, he didn't just need to gas up. Now, they didn't have vehicles back then. He didn't just need to gas up his, his ship or his whatever he was traveling on. He also needed to fuel up relationally. He also needed to fuel up emotionally. And so I kind of picture it like this. Paul is gonna go hang out with the Romans for a while, and he's hoping that they will set him on fire again and then send him forth. Set him on fire again and send him forth. And here's what I'm saying. Not only do you need a vision, a mission, an ambition, you need people in your life to keep that fire going. You need healthy relationships in your life to keep that fire going. The Bible says to fan into flames the gift of God. And then I started thinking about it like this. How am I for other people who need something to continue their purpose? Like, think about it like this. When people come into my company, when people come in to spend time with me, am I the type of person that I fill them up with satisfaction, that I set them on fire again for the Lord and then send them forth? Or am I the type of person that stirs up division with them? Am I the type of person that sets a fire to the flame of Jesus, to the spirit of Jesus? Or am I the type of person that sets a fire to the spirit of the world? Am I the type of person that sets a fire in them for excitement and passion and the glory of God? Or am I the type of person that sets a fire to their flesh? Am I the type of person that when they get around me, they're actually worse having been around me, not better? And so Paul is a very emotionally healthy person. He understands he needs the joy and the company of the Roman people. But I think he also understands that they're the kind of people that are gonna set a fire on him that's going to inflame the spirit of God in him so that he can be set forth. So not only do you need a purpose and a mission in your life, but you need to be the type of person that sets flame to the other mission and purpose that other people have. You need to be an agent of the Holy Spirit to set a fire in their hearts and be the type of person that you don't light up the room when you leave it, if you know what I mean. The people want to be around you. And here's another thing that's interesting to me about that word hindered. The word hindered, like I already said, it prevents you from doing something. It also can mean, though, this, to irritate, offend, or trouble. Now, this is a little, this rhetorical question, which you're not here to answer anyway, so I can ask it. How many people have you actually hindered from their godly ambitions? How many people have you set a fire to their flesh You've actually hindered them from what God could have done in their life because you were the type of person that set a fire to the wrong things in them. See, this is one of the key things I think we need to understand right now in this divisive moment that we're in as a country. Everything that I say, everything that I do, every person that I encounter, every post that I make on social media, what are you setting fire to? 
Are you setting fire to the divisions that are happening? Are you setting fire to the natural inclinations of flesh? Are you setting political fires? Are you setting gospel fires in people? Are are you sowing into the spirit, Paul would say in Romans, or are you sowing into the flesh? Man, this is some heavy stuff. All from Paul just saying, I wanna come see you. But I want you to think about that. Because that is also part of my ambitions as a follower of Jesus. See, not only is in following Jesus gonna hinder me from doing other things, it's gonna hinder me from doing those kinds of things in people's lives too. Let me say it to you like this. I purposely try to make sure I'm not doing anything to offend people other than the simple offense of the gospel. The gospel is offensive. You gotta understand that. We don't ever bow down on that. We don't ever bow down to the fact that the gospel is offensive. It is. But I don't need to add to that offense by setting fire to other things that honestly really don't matter as much as the gospel. And that's where I think a lot of Christians, we trip up over the real purpose that God has for our lives because we're putting unnecessary hindrances in other people's ways when they could be following Jesus. And Paul's saying, I wanna come see you because you're the type of people that are gonna set a fire and you're the type of people that are gonna fill me up and then send me forth. See, I wanna be the type of person that sets a fire in people for Christ. I wanna be the type of person who sets a fire in people for the person of Jesus, not a political party. I wanna be the type of person that sets a fire in people and then sends them forth into the ambitions that God has for their lives. And that's the type of person that Paul was. It's also the type of people that the Christians in Rome were. Now he goes on, verse 25. He says, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Acacia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. I'll unpack that in a second. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. Now let's unpack this. Because this is really get into kind of a practical application of how we do this. Paul says, I want to come to you, but right now I got to go to Jerusalem. I got to handle some business in Jerusalem. What he'd been doing is as he was planning those churches and as he was visiting those churches, he would write letters back to those churches to raise money for the saints in Jerusalem that were poor. Why were they poor? Well, in Acts chapter two, at Pentecost, they gave everything because they thought Jesus was coming back in like a week. They thought he was coming back in like a month. And so they're like, if he's coming back, they gave everything. So all the Christians in Jerusalem, they gave everything. Now they're broke. So as Paul's going around planting churches, he's saying, listen, let's raise money for our saints back in Jerusalem for the believers in Jerusalem. And so you see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You see this in Philippians chapter 4. You see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. In fact, the churches of Macedonia and Acacia are those actual churches. The Corinthians were in Acacia. The Philippians and the Thessalonians or we're in Thessalonica in Philippi, which was in Macedonia. So those three churches were giving already to 
the Christians in Jerusalem. And Paul is now saying to the Romans, hey, I want you to also give. I want you to also be a part of this. And here's what's crazy. He mentions those churches. He says they were pleased to do it. Pleased to do it. He says that twice. They were pleased to do it. Verse 26, verse 27. They were pleased to do it. Well, that pleased, that word they're pleased, this is what's crazy. It means to take delight in. To take delight in. To take a high degree of pleasure or mental satisfaction in. Now, don't miss what he's saying. What were they taking delight in? They were taking delight in giving, in giving. And here's what I want you to see. When it's your ambition to preach the gospel, when you said yes to Jesus, and you're gonna be the type of person that's gonna help other people say yes to Jesus, you're gonna set a fire for the spirit in their heart and send them forth, what's it gonna require from you? It's gonna require sacrifice. It's gonna require you giving and serving. And Paul says they were pleased to do it. They were pleased to do it. And here's what I want you to see. Paul makes an argument. He says, in fact, not only were they pleased to do it, but they owe it to him. They owe it to him. Why? You see, the Holy Spirit, obviously, Jesus was Jewish. And so he was crucified. And then in uh, Jerusalem, that is where Pentecost happened, and then the gospel went out from there. He told him, you're gonna be my witnesses from here. So the gospel went out from there. So Jesus was Jewish, and the salvation came from the Jews to the Gentiles. We did this last week. And what Paul is saying is, listen, you now experience spiritual blessings because of what's come from them to you. So therefore, you need to participate in material blessings back to them. In fact, you owe it to them. Let me give you this point, and I'm gonna unpack it. It is right. It is right to serve out of what we have come to share in. It is right, I'm saying that because I don't wanna should you to death, all right? He uses the word ought, and it means a moral obligation. But I want you to understand, it is right, it is godly, it is biblical to serve out of what I have come to share in. Let me, let me help you understand. The title of my message today is Spiritual and Material Blessings. Paul says, listen, you've been blessed spiritually by them. Now it is your turn to bless them materially. It's the words he uses. So he's making an argument and he's using the other churches and he says they were pleased to do it. They were pleased to do it. This is what's crazy about Christians. See, when you have an ambition to preach the gospel, when you have a purpose, a mission, a vision, and that includes setting fire into other people for the Holy Spirit and then sending them forth, then now you're going to bless them, not only spiritually, but also materially. And the early churches understood this. In fact, you go read it. In Philippians 4, Paul tells the Philippians, you were the first one to help me. And then in Thessalonica, he says, you guys were so good at giving that everybody knows about it. And then when he's writing to the Corinthians in chapter eight and chapter nine of 2 Corinthians, he says, this is what's crazy. In 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verses one through six, he says this, the Macedonians, the churches in Macedonia, which was Philippi and Thessalonica, 
even though they had extreme poverty, the grace of God led them to overflow in a wealth of generosity. And then check this, they begged us to take part. They begged us to take part in the offering for the saints in Jerusalem. Listen, I've been a pastor for 20 years. Not one person has ever begged me to give. It hadn't happened. Not one person's like, Pastor, when are we doing the next giving campaign? Now don't turn off the screen right now because you're like, he's talking about giving. No, you're misunderstanding the entire context. What I'm saying to you is this. When you understand what was done for you, when you understand that Christ, though he was rich, left heaven and became poor so that in him you might become rich, when you get that, and that becomes your ambition, that becomes your goal, your vision, the purpose of your life, and you wanna set fire to other people to fill them up and send them forth, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna beg God for a chance to get in on that. You're gonna beg God for the chance to serve and to give. This is one of the reasons why I love you. Man, in this coronavirus, we didn't know what was gonna happen. We reduced our budgets by 25% because we didn't know what was gonna happen, but you guys have been so faithful in giving. From a percentage standpoint, we're actually up from where we were at this time last year because you guys have been so faithful. So way to go, Revolution Church, you get it. But here's what I want you to understand. When it comes to giving, we should never stop at the tithe. In fact, let me say it to you like this, and this may sound weird to you, but I've said it before. I would actually argue biblically, tithing is not even giving. It's returning. How can you give something that's not even yours? See, the Bible says tithe, that's 10%. That's what it means, off the top. Return to the Lord what is mine. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he's taking up what we call an offering, which is above and beyond. This is why in chapter 9, Paul says, each man needs to decide in his own heart what he's going to give. I have had people quote that verse to me and say, see, pastor, the Bible says I get to decide how much I give. Yeah, you do, above the tithe. You do. You get to decide how much. You don't get to decide whether you get to return what ain't yours. So giving is above tithe. So tithing is the floor, not the ceiling. It's the floor. It's the ground on which you start. Then anything above that is giving, and you get to decide that. You get to make a decision. And here's what I want you to see. How is that decision going to be based in your life? It's going to be based upon your ambitions. It's going to be based upon your purpose, your vision, the mission of your life. It's going to, check this out. It is going to hinder how you spend your money. See, there are good things that Lindsay and I would love to have, but we say no to because there are great eternal things we would rather have. That's what I'm trying to connect here for you. Paul says, even in your giving, you should be hindered. Now, this isn't an amount of money issue. I brought my preaching towel here, all right? I'm be sweating. This is an amount of money. Some of the stingiest people I have ever met are poorer people. And some of the most generous people I have ever met are wealthy people. 
And some of the most stingy people I've ever met are wealthy people. And some of the most generous people I've ever met are poor people. It doesn't matter what you have. What matters is your heart. And what are your ambitions? And so here's what Paul's saying to them. Paul's saying, listen, I know this about you because the other churches are like this as well. So therefore, I want you to take part not only in what is going on for the saints in Jerusalem, but for my ministry as well. See, Paul actually wrote the letter to the Romans, this is crazy, as a missionary support letter. That's what it is. It's a long theological missionary support letter. Like if you ever supported a missionary, if you've ever supported organizations, they send you updates, they send you reports, they tell you what's going on. Paul is writing to them saying, here's what the gospel is, here's what it all is. And he's saying, when I come, I want you to help me go on to Spain. How do I know that? Look at the next few verses. He says, when therefore I have completed this and have delivered them to you, what has been collected, I will leave for Spain. Now check this, by way of you. By way of you. So everything he set up until this point is helping them understand what God has done and who God is so that generosity would flow out of their life when they understand how generous God has been to them. So he's saying, I'm gonna leave by way of you. Verse 29, Paul speaks it into existence. He says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I know, I already know. What is the fullness of the blessing? The fullness of the blessing is not just material, but it's not less than material. It is spiritual and it is material. And here's how it works. God blesses us spiritually. And then out of the overflow of that, we bless others materially. That's what I was saying. It is right to serve out of the things that we now have a share in. So let's personalize this. The mission and vision and ambition of Revolution Church is to love Jesus, grow people, to multiply that into new campuses, new churches, new disciples. That is what we're all about here. That's our ambition. So that means we're gonna say no to other things because we've said yes to that. And so when you come to church and you receive a blessing, whether it's through the sermon, whether it's through the worship, man, wasn't that worship incredible? And then last week, I don't know if you saw that, man, the last song, it was incredible. Our kids' ministry, our student ministry, everything, our campuses, man, it is incredible. We want it to bless you. But if you're not, listen, if you're not serving out of what you've taken a share in, then you're greedy, you're holding it. This is why we ask people to serve here. It's not just giving. We want people to attend a service and serve a service. We want you to receive, and then out of that, we want you to give. That's just the natural way it happens. And here's what I'm saying. When you get that, when you understand that, man, you will beg God. You will beg God to take part in what he's doing. You wanna know why? Because it reminds me of a guy who said something one time. Let's see if you've ever heard this. If you could tell me who this guy is. He said something like, um, it is more blessed, uh, help, help me finish it, to, to what? 
I, I didn't hear you. I, 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 I hear you. We got, we got space in between us on the screens here. It's more blessed to what? Give than to receive. Oh, man, it's a blessing to receive. Don't let me hate on that. Yeah, it's a blessing, but it's more blessed to give. Man, you want to know why my ambition is to preach the gospel and then set a fire in other people and send them forth to preach the gospel? Because it's so much fun. I get so much joy out of it. Every year, Lindsay and I say, how can we give more? Tithing's the floor, not the ceiling. How can we give an above and beyond that? How can we give more to what God's doing in Kenya? How can we give more to what God's doing through compassion and serve and through Revolution Church? How can we get in on more of that? Because of the blessing, the fullness of the blessing that it is. And so church, here's what I want you to see. Is this a message about giving? No. Is this a message about serving? No. Those should happen as a result of this. But this is a message about making sure your life is driven by the ambition for other people to experience the freedom that you have in Christ. That's what it's about. Why do we speak into racism and these other issues? Because we want people to be free. We want people to experience the fullness of the blessing. Why do we start a campus in Jasper? Because we want people in Jasper to experience the fullness. Why do we plant churches? We planted a church right down in downtown Atlanta that has been leading a lot of the effort that's gone on in, in, in the last few weeks to help bring churches together. Why do we do that? Because we want people in Atlanta to experience the fullness of the blessing. Man, and that's why we're gonna plant churches. I, I hope until, as long as I'm a pastor here, but I hope it happens even after I'm no longer the pastor here and I go to meet Jesus. I want you to have the fullness of the blessing, blessing, listen to me, driven by the ambition that you have to set a fire in other people to send forth the gospel. That's why, that's why I'm saying, man, don't get caught up in politics. Let me ask it to you like this. What is the thing that you talk about most? If the thing that you talk about most on Facebook is politics, you're doing it wrong. Because you're setting a fire to things that's not gonna send forth the gospel. It may send forth your favorite political party, but guess what? There are no Republicans and Democrats in heaven. Woo, I'm gonna preach over here. Come on. There's just people who are on fire for Jesus. And I hate that phrase, but I just say, come out. That's what I want for you. Man, zero in on that in your life and you will experience the fullness of Christ in a way that you have never experienced it before. And if you don't know Christ, hey, you can experience that fullness today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that Christ was driven by an ambition to bring us back into fullness. He left the riches, became poor, so that in him we might become rich. And God, may we be the type of people 
that have that same kind of ambition. May we be the type of church that has that same kind of ambition. And therefore, we're hindering the things that don't honor you, but we're also hindering the things that would hinder us from living fully with you. But God, we know that there's people here that maybe don't know Jesus, and today they need to know Jesus because they haven't experienced the fullness of the gospel that he brings. And so if that's you, if you're listening to me and you've never trusted Christ, I want you to understand today you can be set free. Paul was raising money from the churches so that the gospel could go forward. And so there have been people in our church that have given faithfully today so that you can know Jesus. They sacrificed so that you could have a seat. So if you have never trusted Christ, there's nothing that would bring us greater joy than for you to experience that fullness. So if you wanna trust Christ right there where you are, you can pray with me and you can receive Christ. It goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. You sent Jesus in my place for my sin. I receive your Holy Spirit. I ask you to forgive my sins. Cover me in your grace. Thank you for loving me. And for those of you today that have already trusted Christ, man, I hope this sets a fire in you. I really do. I hope this sets a fire in you to remind you of our vision and our mission. And even though we haven't been gathering together physically in locations, man, we've still been on mission. We still want you to be on mission. And even when we do start gathering together, we're still gonna continue online. We still want you to be a part of what God is doing here. Even if you can't gather together in person yet, man, you can still live your life with that kind of ambition. And so I am so incredibly grateful for all of you that know Jesus and then out of that blessing, you live as a blessing. You give, you serve. Man, that is what our church is made up of. So many faithful people that are serving out of what they have taken share in. But if you're not doing that, if you're not tithing, if you're not serving, man, you can jump in right now. You can start serving out of what you are sharing in. And I'm telling you, you will be more blessed because of it. Maybe you need to really think and have a conversation with your family and say, man, what are our ambitions? What if our ambitions before this thing was, were wrong? We need to align ourselves to what Jesus is doing and then say no to the things that aren't in line with that. Father, I pray that you would move mightily in our midst. Thank you for your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.